0: Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff, to parents and to pupils about topics that are relevant to you. Now, in this episode, we're speaking to the grounds and estate manager, Daniel Rattling. Daniel will tell us all about his roles and responsibilities at Whitgift, why it's important to maintain school grounds and the duties that take up most of his time. But we'll also get some gardening tips and tricks for anyone who's looking to bring a new lease of life to their garden at home as we emerge from the winter months. That's all coming up in this episode, so come with me now as we learn all about the maintenance behind the beautiful Whitgift School Grounds with Daniel Rattling. Daniel, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Very well, thank you. It's uh, Monday morning, we've had a, another weekend of sport with plenty of boys taking part in football and, and rugby across the site, so
0: yeah. That's really good to hear. Are you into sport yourself then, are you?
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think most people that get into sports turf, grounds management, tend to have a background of enjoying sport themselves, certainly.
0: Okay, well, we're going to talk about various things on this episode about you being a grounds and estate manager, but I'd love to know I mean, you know, is is school life something that that was positive when you think back to your own upbringing when you were a boy? uh, Was it a good experience or, or not so good?
1: yeah yeah i'd say so i i think i i certainly went to to schools that i feel were good maintained schools but i had a good experience there
0: yeah and what part of the country was that
1: so i'm from north london so sort of barnet and and finchley in, in north london is sort of where i'm from so
0: okay so tell us a bit then about what you do at school what are you responsible for there
1: so I'm the grounds and estates manager. That's essentially everything outside of the school buildings. I, I look after a team of four who then themselves then manage 20 staff across the Haling Park road site and the uh, Whitgift Sports Club site at Crowham Road.
0: Wow okay so that's a that's a pretty big responsibility certainly in terms of actual amount of land space you need you need to be responsible for. I, I wouldn't even know how to start going about doing something like that but Tell me how you, you got into doing this work yourself. You know, what, what's your background in your, in your career? So I,
1: I left school at 16 and I became what was at the time termed a modern apprentice. So I did a, an apprenticeship working for the London Borough of Barnet, actually. And I did about four and a half years there where I gained some qualifications, NVQ 2 and 3 in sports staff and just sort of progressed on to St. Albans School in Hertfordshire, which is an independent school, uh, and
0: just progressed on from there. And then how did you hear about this position at Whitgift then? It's, it's,
1: it's a fairly small industry, so so most jobs that become available are, are sort of well-known, well-advertised within the sector, and I, th- I guess I must have been looking for a magazine or a website and, and see it advertised. So.
0: so how long have you been at Whitgift for? Coming up for seven
1: years, which has absolutely flown by actually, it doesn't feel like that at all, but yeah, coming up for seven years.
0: Well, it's a good sign that it's flying by because clearly that means you're kind of enjoying yourself. Tell me what some of your highlights have been over that time, over the last seven years
1: highlights certainly having the australian national cricket team here for three consecutive summers was 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 a buzz i've got one particular memory of walking out the boys were on their lunch break and and sitting on the northfield bank while steve smith was in the middle of northfield batting and just thinking you know for for me for them for everybody what a fantastic thing to be able to see at school you know it's remarkable really
0: so what are some of the preparations that you need to do for something like that then
1: to all intents, it was the same as we would set up for, for school fixtures. So you might be covering the pitches if the weather was inclement and, and, and just trying to put all your processes in place to provide the best surfaces you can. There was, of course, an added buzz, perhaps a few more ground staff on duty during the, during the sort of training sessions, but to all intents, it was the, it was the
0: same. So why is it important to maintain the grounds at school? I mean, because, you know, I'm thinking to myself that fundamentally, you know, a school is there for, for children to learn. So what difference does it make if the, if the grounds are sort of looking nice? I'm thinking more about about their appearance as opposed to the functionality.
1: It's the environment that everybody sort of works and lives in to a certain extent. So, you know, you want to present, present the estate in the, the best possible light you can. And I think it has a significant impact on people's well-being and how much they enjoy and, and, and get out of being at the school. Of course, you've got then the functionality side of things, which is, is the number of boys we have is significant and, and making best use of the space. But certainly, you know, in any job you will do, you want to do it to the best of your abilities. And we're fortunate to, to work at a, a beautiful site frankly amazing trees amazing grounds beautiful gardens and, and really my team's responsibility to turn those out to the best possible standard
0: was that a bit daunting then when you first joined you know when, when you first walked in the drive and you looked around and you thought wow this is a significant place and this is something that I'd be responsible for if I take this job how did that make you feel
1: yeah, I suppose the first time you walk into Whitgift, it's an amazing place. You see the peacocks and you see the flamingos and you see the, the sort of beautiful green grass and, and, and trees of significant age and think, wow, what a place. But I suppose as much as it's daunting for someone in my line of work, that's an exciting prospect, isn't it? To, to be able to work in that environment and yeah, work with these facilities. yeah, Exciting, I'd say, probably more than daunting.
0: And when you say trees of a significant age, I mean, what sort of ages are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, so, so there's some fairly sort of significant trees that we know to be about 200 years old plus. There are some trees in the woodland that we believe to be in the region of four four 450 years old. Yeah, predate the school significantly.
0: So how do you go about telling the age of a tree when it's still alive? Because I think a, a lot of people listening to this will know that you can count the rings when a tree's fallen down. I think yeah, a lot sure. of us will remember that from when we were children. What about when it's still growing, though?
1: So I, I confess we have a consultant who um, is in the process of writing a woodland management plan for us. He's got a very good historical knowledge of trees and what they are they're, they're they're coppiced small leaf lime trees so they would have been coppiced to provide wood for the baker's ovens in in historic london and there's a uh, Belt of woodland that runs around the sort of south and southeast of London, that this sort of practice happened. And there were two trees of certain size and sort of stature that haven't been coppiced for about a hundred years, but show signs of having been coppiced that kind of fit the the bill,
0: if you like. And for those of us who, who aren't really into gardening or trees, what does it mean to be coppiced for a tree?
1: So the, the small leaf lime basically grows new wood fairly quickly. So you, you coppice it and you cut it back hard. You use the wood that you've cut to, um, I'd say, use in the baker's ovens, and then it would regrow very quickly a wood that's, that's good for burning. So it's that, it's that kind of harsh cutting back almost to the stump level and then allowing it to regrow.
0: Right so sometimes then when you see a tree and you're thinking wow that looks a bit brutal what's what's been done to that tree actually it's a really good thing because it's it's encouraging that new fast growth.
1: I think it depends on the situation so you'll see you'll see a lot of sort of local authority trees that have been pollarded which is where they take the sort of soft growth at the top of the tree back Mm -hmm. really harshly and that causes a lot of new growth and that can look quite unsightly some would say whereas the coppicing is kind of a functional a functional process to go through for that wood creation as opposed to an aesthetic thing
0: wow i'm learning so much about trees i had no idea i was going to pick up all of this daniel tell me what tends to fill the, your time and the, your, the people in your team is it is it more so maintaining the trees and that kind of thing or is it the pitches or is it you know the uh, the grass areas i mean what 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 consumes most of your time
1: yeah so certainly the the largest team is the grounds team they have responsibility for the largest areas and that they are predominantly responsible for the sports pitches so that this time of year that would be rugby football and, and hockey hockey's played on synthetic and rugby and football be played on natural turf and yeah that, that's certainly the largest part of the job and probably where my expertise in truth really lies having trained throughout my career in in sports turf management
0: so tell me something then about the hybrid pitches at school what are they
1: so a hybrid pitch is
0: reinforced
1: natural turf, which is a, so it's a natural turf pitch that's being reinforced with synthetic fibres. The synthetic fibres constitute about 3% of the finished playing surface, but they oh, wow. act to stabilize the, the, the surface. So basically it becomes more resilient to, to play. But it is to all intents a, a natural turf surfaces, so requires much of the same management. And and yeah, it, it's exciting to have built some at the school. Frankly,
0: so you say it's three synth- percent synthetic, and then. Yeah. natural, is that right?
1: 97% natural turf, yeah. yeah.
0: Wow, and that 3% really makes that much of a difference?
1: It really does. So you essentially construct the profile from a a sandy root zone, so a very free-draining material, so that when it rains or you irrigate, the water passes through that profile really quickly. Yeah, and then the fibres are stitched into that profile, and that that reinforces. So they act like a permanent sort of root matrix to, to, to hold it all together. As the grass grows and the grass roots push down they intertwine with the fibers and it becomes quite a quite a kind of tight stable surface
0: and how on earth do you get that 3% in with the other 97% so before
1: the before the grass is sown you just have this sort of virgin sand root zone profile that you stitch there's a machine that that actually physically stitches the fibers it took so big side our first 15 rugby pitch, which is about seven and a half thousand square meters, took about eight days of 19 hour days to to stitch. Wow. Yeah, it was it was wow. quite a process to see happen. I mean, incredibly boring <laughs> to, to watch <laughs> yeah. the guys stitching it, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it was yeah it was quite a process to go through. And then the grass is grown from seed. Did I hear? Yeah, yeah, exactly okay. that.
1: So you then seed the pitch and, and grow it like you would any other any other playing surface and the actual construction of the pitch, the stitching and the, the root zone should last 10 plus years, maybe even 15. But the grass will be renewed every, every year, annually, every, every July when the boys break up for summer holiday, we'll, we'll start again with the, the grass. Effectively.
0: And tell me then why that's a better option instead of it being fully synthetic. So
1: fully synthetic comes with a number of potential benefits and issues. Benefits, of course, are really high levels of use. It's a surface that doesn't wear away, although using it excessively will mean that you need to replace it sooner there are also concerns about the infill potentially links to carcinogens and also the migration of microplastics into the environment and then you've got sort of player perceptions some players particularly rugby players complaining about carpet burns effectively from the synthetic carpet so from a player experience it's not potentially the answer although in some circumstances fully synthetic isn't a bad idea
0: which circumstances would they be
1: just really sort of high intensity use where you're looking to hire out to the community and maybe play until 10 o'clock in the evening from 10 o'clock in the morning constant sort of revenue coming in from hires you can see sort of validity in doing that just because you take away quite a proportion of the maintenance they're not maintenance free synthetic Mm -hmm. carpets but you take away an element of that and you can just use it and use it and use it and then replace it when it sort of runs
0: out and then when you go to sort of places like you know twickenham i mean i mean how do they manage their pitches is that the three percent 97 percent system as well so
1: Whitgift has exactly the same system that they have at Twickenham, which oh is, right, uh, it, 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 <laughs> I'm it. glad I asked this question. I didn't yeah. know the
0: answer to that. No, so
1: it's 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 called a Deso Grassmaster pitch, which is basically a as I say a sand root zone profile that is stitched with this three percent synthetic fibres, and it's and it's that system that they have at Twickenham. They have it at Wembley. Every Premier League football stadium that you see will have a version of a stitch pitch, Deso Grassmaster or their competitors. And it's why we just don't see pitches like you would have done 20, 30 years ago, which have fallen to pieces and are a mud bath and waterlogged. They're, they're designed to drain and to, to stay stable.
0: Wow. Uh, I had no idea that, that you were going to come back and say that. I figured that you might say something like, oh, no, no, it's completely different at Twickenham because clearly they're, they're, they're in a different league. But actually you're you're operating in the same kind of league as Twickenham and Wembley.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's remarkable and 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 we're fortunate to be in this position the first school to install these types of surfaces. They will be used in an entirely different way, I should add. Twickenham will have really intense periods where you'll have like the current sort of you'll have six nations or you'll have sort of a block of competitive fixtures, maybe the captains run on a Friday. So they'll be really intensive use and then weeks are not a lot. We will have these 6 weeks term termly blocks where we're used very, very intensively. Our only real downtime is going to be that, that eight-week summer holiday. So the usage requirements will be a lot higher in our situation.
0: Daniel, when you're walking around the school site, walking around the grounds, are there certain areas that you just really enjoy being in because you like... you you like that particular pitch or you you like how how those trees are growing or you just like that kind of grass I mean how does that how does that work out yeah
1: it it possibly changes the time of year Northfield in summer on a Friday evening watching the senior boys playing a T20 is is a fantastic place to be I've always really enjoyed that just with the sort of the, the sun just starting to go down and it's kind of in a almost amphithe- amphitheater setting and and, it, and is a really good place to be and then again perhaps in the winter months up on up on big side or, or, or Edridge, our football pitch and watching the sport up there the woods as well you know certain times of year springtime in the woodlands when everything's just coming into leaf yeah as i say mm-hmm. i said earlier we're we're kind of blessed with this amazing site which with which we work and, and and there's lots of different areas of it that you know, as you say have different times of year really come to the fore
0: and then when you're not in school are there any particular places that you've been to which have just really blown you away given given the job that you do and the knowledge that you have where you can see that someone's doing a really good thing or an organization is doing a really good thing with their grounds
1: yeah so I mean I've, I've been fortunate enough, to, fortunate enough to go to to go to Lords, to go to Wembley to go to visit Wimbledon, and they're of course awe-inspiring places. There's actually Leicester City Football Club of all places have just mm. developed something called their Sports Turf Academy, as they've had some investment to build a new training ground, and as part of that, they've developed, would a, say, a, a Sports Turf Academy, which is a purpose-built training facility, research laboratories research trial plots and it's just a fantastic initiative so within my world of <laughs> grounds management and sports turf it's really pushing things forward um, and yeah in some ways quite inspiring
0: and tell me one thing that that everyday families could do in their in their own back gardens at home you know what, what what are some of the classic mistakes that you see people making when they're trying to manage their own garden which is a clearly a tiny piece of land in most cases compared to the likes of whitgift
1: of course I think if I'm being honest knowing what you would like to achieve and having realistic expectations are probably the first sort of hurdle to overcome if you have children and you have pets then having a bowling green for a lawn is perhaps unlikely but there's certainly <laughs> things that you can do to to really improve what you have regular mowing at a sensible cut in height is, is a good start irrigating through periods of prolonged dry weather will help you keep grass cover as well and keep weeds at bay but perhaps not overthinking it as well but that kind of regular little and often maintenance is is a good start I think to have a to have a back garden like Wembley or or Wimbledon you probably need the ground staff to there to maintain it as well it's quite a lot of investment and time
0: yeah, investment in money and time, like you suggest. So if people wanted to find out more about The Grounds, what's the best way for them to, to reach out and connect with the school on this?
1: Probably the, the best way to contact me is via the school office. They'll have my contact details, email or phone, and be able to put you in touch. And I'm sure if they're prospective parents or, or existing parents wishing to visit a particular area of the grounds would be happy to facilitate that so yeah by all means do get in touch
0: that's really good well Daniel thank you for being here thanks for sharing with us just what happens at the school and in particular regarding those pitches because they really do sound amazing not just beautiful but functional too thanks very much for your time
1: great thank you very much been a pleasure
0: so that was Daniel Rattling, grounds and estate manager at Whitgift thank you so much for joining us on this episode Daniel it's really really good to hear from you.